Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 128 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn that little bit more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for tuning in this week and I hope you enjoy the show. Now we're all guilty of it. We ride our bikes to death, we don't change anything unless it's broken or given an issue. We maybe wash our bikes after every ride, we polish them, we make them look good, but do we ever really look at components, brakes, gears, wheels, rims, all this kind of stuff? Do we ever get our bikes serviced? Do we service them enough? Are we guilty of just riding our bike every time and if nothing happens, it's fine, there's nothing wrong with the bike, the bike's okay, it'll do for another ride. And then that eventual day happens when your drive tree stops working, your crank is making funny noises and is loose for some reason. We're all guilty of it. We all don't really want to spend money. Yes, we'll buy lovely bikes, we'll spend lots of money purchasing the bike, but do we spend enough money maintaining the bike? Well, that's what we're chatting about on today's podcast. And it's kind of getting your bike ready for race season. We're coming out of a winter season. Our bikes have been through a lot. They've been wet. They've been muddy. They've been dirty. They need a lot of TLC. So we're chatting about that this week on the show. And it is my pleasure to have Adam Whitaker on the show. Now, Adam was back on the podcast a wee while ago doing a few things for me. I'm just uh, encouraging people to get into mountain biking and stuff. But I didn't really realize that Adam was a SciTech level two qualified mechanic. So when I heard that, I asked Adam to come back on the show, chat us through how we can keep an eye on our bikes, how we need to get them maintained, what we should be looking for. And if we need to set a bike up, differently for racing or anything like that so we're all getting ready for the summer season we're all getting ready for the race season so we chat to adam about that and it was great to get him on the show and have good experience and insight into such topics now don't forget to head over to the resources page of the podcast to get an extra 15% off across all of Terra Ventures products. It's just for you MTB Tribe listeners and it's just for the month of February. So head over now and get that extra 15% off. I had Keith from Terra Venture Distribution on the podcast in episode 126. So you can go back and listen to that if you wish. But head over to the resources page and you'll get information on how to claim your 15% off Terra Ventures products. Now let's get this episode started. Let's get Adam on the show and let's find out why we should be maintaining our bikes probably more than we are. Hi Adam, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. How's things this evening, sir? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I am good. Can't complain, but can't complain. Um, well, you always can complain, but sure, nobody listens, so why bother? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, here, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I appreciate it. And just in case people don't realise, but you've done a little Facebook snippet thing for me in the past, for like a couple of yeah. minutes thing, and just how people would get into mountain biking and all. So off the back of that, I've asked you to come on. I... Uh, I've been following you on Facebook and stuff like that, obviously. Um, but I didn't realise you were a mechanic, a full-blooded mechanic. Yeah, yeah. 
happy days, man, happy days, because I've just been watching your YouTube channel and stuff like that. I didn't really realize you were a qualified mechanic. Yeah, yeah, I've been, been a qualified mechanic for a few years now, but uh, we're mechanic in a bit before that. Aye, cool, cool. And that's cool. Well, I want to chat to you a wee bit later about Trail Explorer, your YouTube channel and your Facebook group and stuff like that, because it's very cool. Because you've got loads and loads of movies on your YouTube channel. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I just keep regularly awarding. Yeah, it's Trying mad, man. It's simple. <laughs> it's cool. But what we're mainly chatting about this evening is about getting your bike race ready. Um, it's that time of year after people are starting to think about it. The races are just around the around the corner. I know here in Ireland they start next month, so it's pretty exciting times. Yeah, yeah, another season. Mm. Do you race yourself, Adam? Um, the last time I raced was about three years ago. Okay, because um, you can ride. Uh, I've seen photos. I see your footage. You can ride a bike, like. Yeah, I just prefer to ride a bike without the pressure of racing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just right, bud, just right. Um, so, like, how did you get into mountain biking? Have you been mountain biking for quite a while? Uh, I mountain biked when I was a teenager. I rode BMX of it. Um, obviously, then you get to 18, you get a car, start drinking, going out, and then you kind of forget about it. So... Um, <laughs> Probably about five or six years ago, uh, I got got a, a cycle to work voucher from where I used to work, and it just started from there. Yeah, it's crazy, man. You know, so many people come into the mountain biking scene from other areas, may it be motocross or trials or BMX, but a lot of guys fall into it from those other areas. Like, um, now you also manage a giant store, isn't that correct? Yeah. So, were you into mountain biking before you started working in? No, you don't. You you weren't working in the giant store when you got your cycle to work thing. No, no, right. I wasn't. Was that, was that another in the bike, bike industry? That was the bike industry, was it? No, we weren't working in the bike industry at all. Then I got into it. I quickly became obsessed and decided that's you know I wanted to work with bikes. So. Wow. Yeah, I went, uh, started off, you know, doing bits um, in my kitchen, as, as probably most people do, mm-hmm. uh, and then decided to go and get my SATEC uh, qualification and just went from there. Wow, that's cool. So mountain biking has actually changed your career course yeah. as such. Yeah, massively. I'm a lot more happier now. Wow, man, that's doing cool. Doing something I love than uh, doing something I completely hated. <laughs> yeah yeah no it makes a big difference to your day when you don't mind getting out of bed eh? yeah yeah i don't think i've had a day in the bike industry where i thought i don't want to go to work wow that's very cool and your giant store can you tell us where that's based it's in blackburn all right and in, is it a, in lancashire oh cool and it's giant is it a giant owned store or do you sell oh, other brand um, we're owned by a company called On Your Bike, which we have a, a store in Burnley and a store in Lancaster. Uh, up until about two and a half years ago, this was an On Your Bike store, but uh, we've converted to a, a giant store. So we solely sell giant and live uh, out of this store, and we sell a hell of a lot of other brands in the other stores. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. And do you prefer working under like a one brand umbrella type thing? Um, it makes it easier to learn about the bikes when you're not having to learn about six different brands, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, uh, for with the e-bikes, for instance, um, you're working with one motor, one ride control system, and it's easy to learn about that one bike without getting it muddled in with, uh, say, a Bosch uh, e-bike. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What motors are the Giants running? Are they Shimano? Uh, Yamaha. Oh, Yamaha. Yeah, uh, paired with a Panasonic battery. All right, battery. okay. Yeah, cool, man. The e-bike thing's getting crazy, isn't it? It's getting huge. Are you selling yeah. quite a lot through the store? Um, Probably probably about 50-50 now between e-bikes and non, non-e-bikes. Really? Yeah. Selling lots. We get a lot of people coming in to talk about them and and have a look at them. A lot of yeah. people here. Well, well, tell me this: How many enduro bikes would you kind of say? You know, like all mountain enduro type stuff over e bikes. Um, probably sell more e bikes to be honest. Aye, dude, that's the way it's going. Isn't that yeah, crazy? Definitely, yeah. Especially with this new rainy that's come out. That giant have brought out the people right. have really, really looking at them. And tell me this: I know I'm based here in Malta for a while. Um, I work in a bike store here myself, and they get really good government grants here, like schemes bike. So if you buy an e-bike at, let's say, just over two thousand euros, you will actually get six hundred and fifty euros back off a joint grant. Is there anything like that in the UK, Hamlin? Um, there's just the cycle schemes. Uh, I think the cycle to work now has got a, an unlimited, um, you know, top end value. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it depends on what, what limit your workplace set. Yeah. Um, and I think you can save up to 32% on that. Wow. Okay. So there's incentives there. So that's, that's yeah, good. Like it, it comes out of your wage before you get taxed on your wage. So you save, you know, that x amount of money uh tax on x amount of money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every no. wow cool man cool um well i'm glad and you're busy and all there everything's going yeah, well busy, yeah. yeah going happy really days. well happy days that's good to hear man that's really good positive positive news yeah excellent um so what's uh what's the scene like where you're at there what's the what's the mountain bike scene like brilliant we're a perfect location for it up here. What's your trails like? Um, so within, I'd say within an hour, in all directions, I could. I, there's an endless list of places I can ride. Uh, I'm a, I'm an hour from the Lake District, uh, an hour and a half from North Wales, so I can just pick any random place and go and be there within an, an hour or two and out riding. Yeah. I knew you were somewhere nice with the amount of videos that you have on your YouTube channel. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been quite, you've been around and there's some uh, some great, great looking trails there. Um, so have you seen it change? How long have you been working in the Giant Store, by the way? Uh, I've been working in the Giant Store, uh, I think just over two years now. Right, okay. Have you seen it change much in that time? Have you seen your local trails change much in that time? 
there's a lot more funding. There seems to be a lot more people volunteering as well to to maintain and build new trails. Mm-hmm. I think since I've been riding my local, which is Gisborne Forest, uh, they've they've done loads of work um, with drainage and putting new trails in, and yeah, and they seem to have a good uh, volunteer base there as well. Mm-hmm. And the the majority of your trails are. Do you have trail centres that are funded by the local councils and things like that? Um, I think Gisborne Forest is. I think most of a lot of the funding comes from the car park, and okay. then the, I think that's just for materials. Uh, I don't know exactly. I think that's just for materials and stuff, and the work is mainly carried out by volunteers. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's good to see a good healthy scene. Um, yeah. And you know, it seems to be like that most places. So that's that's good, man. It's good, and it's good you're seeing people coming through. The, obviously, it's working, and people are coming through the store, and you're getting you're getting busy through the stores. Well, how about how about girls up the trails and girls coming in and buying bikes? Are you seeing much of that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I first started, you see hardly any, and that were only like six seven years ago but now there's just more and more um even bumping into why well, i'll be out riding and bumping into groups of of uh, women of about t- 10 to 12 all out riding together so it does seem to be seem to be coming uh um more into the scene amazing man amazing amazing it's good to it's good to see it's good to see it really is all right, let's uh, let's get our bikes ready for the race season, will we? Whether we're racing or not is probably a good time of the year to look at that kind of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your qualification because I don't really know anything about this, to be honest. So is it co- SciTech Level 2? Yeah, I've got a SciTech Level 2. Uh, so I've, I kind of, I'm kind of pretty pretty good with hands-on stuff so i could you know i could hold my own uh with mechanicing so but i decided i'd go and get the qualification um so i got the qualification um i had to go to stafford for that um so yeah uh, um there's uh, a level three which i'm looking at doing at some point in the future all right cool cool and does that cover Everything, suspension, everything. Is everything then on that level? On on the level three, you're going to like more high end wheels and suspension and uh, tubs and tubeless and stuff like that. But uh, I can pretty pretty much do all that anyway. Ah, you just have that bit of paper that says you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're one of these guys. You were saying you start it in your kitchen. You've always been um, yeah. spannering yeah. yourself, as they say. Um, yeah, stripping suspension down just out of curiosity. Oh no, really? <laughs> yeah, that, that went. It's always gone pretty well. Wow. Pretty good suspension now. <laughs> all right, so you're going to have all your riding buddies. Every ride you're out, there's going to be something going wrong, and you're going to be the man that's going to be called on. Ah, uh, what are you doing this yeah, evening? <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. I don't mind Good actually. I, I enjoy working on bikes. That's why I got uh, I got into it. Yeah, yeah. It kind of it's one of those things. I'm not very good at this kind of stuff, to be honest. Um, but I've learned a lot from the guys in the shop here, and the amount. And I think unless you're involved in it, you just do not understand the amount of stuff you need to know because 
there is so many different sizes and fits and materials. Yeah. It just doesn't end. I'm like a sponge like that. I, I get told it once or I do it once and it just sticks. And I can do it a million times. Yeah, it's cool. Like, you know, for for the general kind of weekend warrior, you know, you probably don't realize things like, you know, if you have an eight-speed cassette, you need an eight-speed chain. If you have a ten-speed cassette, you need a ten-speed chain. You know, everything is linked that way. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, I didn't even realize stuff like that, you know? Yeah, the, well, a common one that I get is people wanting to change to a three-by to a one-by, and they don't understand that the cassette won't fit on the free hub because mm. the space isn't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have seen that quite a bit as well, where people have bought a three-by and they have changed it either themselves or whatever, and they've they've either changed it to a two or a one, and um, if they've changed it to the two, the shifter, the front shifter and stuff just doesn't work properly because it can't, yeah. you know. Um, it's But you just, you know, if you're doing stuff like this at home, you have to learn, I suppose. So Yeah. You know, uh, most of the stuff I learned, I learned the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you learn. You, if, if you get it wrong once, you'll never get it wrong again. Yeah, that's true. Especially if it costs you money. <laughs> <laughs> or even worse, you have to get into your local trail shop and say, um, I started working on this, but, you know, can you finish it for I've me never, or what have I done wrong? I never... When I first started, I never had to do that, but I get a lot of that coming in. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, man. I'm sure YouTube's got a lot to blame for that. Yeah, um, everyone's a YouTube mechanic. Yeah, that's it, man. That's it. Now, um, so to service the bike or, or not to service the bike before a race, um, firstly, I suppose we should really be servicing and maintaining our bikes more than just before race season. So just in general terms, how often would you would you say is good to get a, a professional service done? Um, obviously, it depends on how much you ride it. Well, I'd say between six and 12 months. Okay, yeah. And that's a good deep service. That's like cranks looked at, headset, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like a, a general check over from, you know, by a, a, a shop, say, every six months, you know, just checking for play or anything like that. But I'd say a complete strip down, you know, if you ride it regularly, I'd say at least every 12 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea. Um, is, that, is that something we have obviously joked about a bit about it here, but is that something you would you could attempt the first time yourself or would you be best to take it into a kind of professional store and get it done properly? The the, you're better off taking it to a shop because you'll pay about 10 times more in tools than you will to pay someone else to look at it for you and do it for you. <laughs> That's a <laughs> good point. Which is the first right? mistake I made. <laughs> yes. So bottom brackets, things like this, yeah. there's not a general, they're all different tools, huh? Yeah, if like press fit, um, bottom brackets, you know, stuff like that, you know, press fit, you know, headsets, the extractor tools is like three different extractor tools. Yeah. Um, you know, they aren't cheap. And then, then you've got the press, you know, the bottom bracket press, headset press, bearing presses, bearing removal tools, stuff like that. It's just, it adds up very fast. Yeah. I And I suppose to even know where to start 
to get those things is going to be difficult as well. Um, yeah, that, if you don't know what you're doing, it takes a lot of research to find out what tool fits what. Yeah, um, it's crazy, yeah, man. It's, it's crazy. Complete nuts. Because there's so many different standards, and then to go with each of them standards, there's a, a different tool that fits different sizes. It's just endless. And then uh, no doubt next year there'll be more standards that require more tools. And then oh, you've got yeah. certain brands that use certain tools, especially with suspension. You know, you've got certain brands that they they like to be able to sell sell you their tool that will on, that you can only use to service their suspension. Mm. And then tools don't tend to be cheap because they're only they're, they're, they are the only people that can make that tool. Yeah, so they kind of have got you there cornered. Because that tool will only fit, say, that one shock, and that that is it. Yeah, man, it is it is a minefield, um, you know. And if you haven't been involved in it before, it really is a minefield. There's so much involved with it, and so many different tools and fits and everything else. It's crazy. Even when you you know when you're quite experienced and you've been doing it for a while, you still every now and then you need to get on Google and find out what what's you know what's going to fit. And what's what because they just it's constantly changing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well i suppose in that kind of thing you're learning every day really there'll be somebody come in with some issue that yeah. you've never seen before yeah or someone comes in with something that's say like 25 years old <laughs> or 30 <laughs> years old and you're like well this is dead i've never seen that before <laughs> yeah know, i am pretty you know i am pretty new new to the game really in in terms of a lot of people you know they have decades of experience uh yeah yeah so are there people that have seen seen these uh things that have changed where i'm relatively you know i've got into it mechanic in when the new stuff started coming in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so, so the old stuff <laughs> <laughs> The old stuff, the old school collectibles come in and you're like, how does this even work? <laughs> yeah, man, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so like, if you're out, if you're riding your bike and stuff, when, just generally, what's what would be the main problems that you would see coming in? What's the most general kind of problem you see people having? Um, punctures, mainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. punctures. I'd you know, it blows my mind how um, people were confused at how to change an inner tube. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it's pretty. It, you know, I know I understand that everyone's not very mechanically minded, but if you're out riding a bike, uh, the least stuff you need to know is how to swap the tube out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're out stick situational. You've got a long walk. Yeah, well, you would think that's important for anybody, even if you're just commuting yeah. to work. Yeah, I mean, I were doing that when I was probably six, seven year old with my mum's teaspoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you don't know how to change a tube, tube, people get on YouTube and check it out because I'm sure there's a hundred thousand videos on there that show you how to do it. <laughs> yeah, and it's the easiest thing. It's the easiest thing ever. It's just like it. it for some reason, it just baffles some people, and they just don't understand it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah. Not, um, not everybody in you know interested in learning, are they? 
No, well, that's it. That's it. Some people just ride their bike and then, you know, yeah. give those jobs to other people. Which, you know, which is, which is good in, uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. No, certainly, certainly. Um, all right, so just in working around bikes and stuff like that, what advantages would it be to be kind of maintaining your bike on a regular basis? Is it going to save you having to replace broken bits or bits breaking at some stage if you kind of, you know, replace stuff when, when you need it, when it gets worn and things like that? Um, I'd say if you keep things clean and greased or, like, with a drivetrain, keep it, you know, as clean as possible and then well lubricated, um, then that's going to last a lot longer. Uh, bearings as well, like headsets and stuff like that. As long as, you know, you keep them well greased and full of, um, without all the grit and stuff in there, then they're going to last a lot longer as well. Yeah, yeah. Chain's a big one, isn't it? People don't realise that those little yeah. links have to move and... And if they don't, then you wear your cassette, you wear your derailleur out, all these things happen. Yeah, um, and generally the rule is like two chains per cassette. But people get to that and then just think, nah, just carry on anyway. And then they get a shock when they have to replace the whole drivetrain. Aye, and I think it's that it's the kind of mentality that you just use something and, until it needs to be replaced, right? So, yeah. you know, but replacing stuff regularly when it gets slightly worn and when you should you know by the manufacturer's kind of uh standards be replacing it do you think that makes you enjoy your ride more does it does it give you a better ride does the bike work nicer for you does all that kind of add up to a more enjoyable experience on the bike yeah definitely if you if you're out riding and your bike's well maintained uh and not worn out you, it's going to be more enjoyable because it's going to shift properly. You're not going to be skipping. You're not going to drop a chain if you if your chain rings that one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just the simple things like just turning your handlebars and not sound like it's full of grit. Just you know, uh, not having rattly noises coming from your bike and thinking I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, so your bike speaks to you really, yeah? It tells you when something's yeah. wrong in a way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's crazy because I remember, oh, it was a few years ago now, but I was hearing a creak coming from my bike. And it seemed to be every time I would compress it. So I just naturally thought it was the front fork that was making some noise. There was something wrong in there. So I had a couple of rides a couple of days out and it was still making it but not all the time and i thought well it's the front fork so i don't know how to work on that so i'll not bother looking at it i'll i'll take it up to the guy the local guys when i get time but then i actually thought well i'll just give the bike a once over a quick general and it was actually the rear suspension was loose that's what was making the noise so if i had a red on a few more times or whatever that you know god only knows what would have happened but it just took a few yeah, turns of an allen key to, yeah you know and it just shows you that just a you know a check over every once in a while just to make sure things are tight and all really could make a big yeah. difference in the long run to be honest i, I check my bike uh before every ride really just to yeah just a quick uh it's called an m check so it only takes five minutes 
So you you basically check your back like an M shape. So you check the rear. So you check the rear hub. Um, you check, you know, it's shifting properly. Uh, check the spokes for tension. Check the wheels true, and then you go move up and make sure the seat post is uh, the right um, torque setting. Uh, then you go down, check your bottom bracket, make sure that spins freely. Then go back up. So you know, like an M shape. Right. Okay. So it's called yeah. an it's called an M check. Uh, basically, check the whole bike over. Just make sure there's nothing loose. Uh, there's nothing moving that shouldn't be moving. Um, and it, it literally takes five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and you just, you know, if, even with a multi-tool, just go over and check every bolt's, you know, tight, tight enough, but not too tight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, good advice, good advice. And as you say, it only takes five minutes. Yeah. Even just, you know, holding the top tube and trying to see if the back end moves you know, sideways, or the the wheels are moving. You know, sideways, or you know, just stuff, simple stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, you might find something that um, could, you know, an hour later ruin your whole ride. Mm. Do you think that you see? I suppose the mentality of people, and I suppose until I started working the store here, and kind of got an insight into the maintenance of things a little better that when you finish your ride if you haven't heard anything loose or nothing feels loose when you finish your ride you just think well it's automatically good to take out the 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 following ride you know what i mean but you should still be doing that am check anyway even if you didn't think anything was loose or anything was wrong when you finished your previous ride yeah sometimes i'm guilty of just grabbing back and going out but really you should you sh- you should just check it. It should just become a part of the ride. Just check your bike over. It doesn't take long, and it, it's well worth doing. It could save save not only money but you know a a bad day. Yeah, yeah. No, good advice. Very good advice. All right, now let's chat a wee bit about getting ready for the race season. Then you know a lot of people will be coming out of the winter riding season, and everybody's bikes are probably gonna need a little uh, TLC for sure. Yeah. Um, is, is is this a good time to get your bike looked at and maybe spend a little bit more on the service side of things? You know, is this the time to get that big, massive, you know, full service? Yeah, especially just after winter. Um, because there's going to be all sorts in inside the frame that you can't see. Because it just it's just, just the nature of winter. Everything just gets in and and destroys it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you know, just, just have the complete strip down, uh, and you know that that way you know that it's going to be it's going to be right for the race season. Mm-hmm. And if there is any issues, you get them sorted now rather than. Uh, right in the middle and then you're worrying whether your bike's going to be ready for the next race Mm -hmm. yeah so get the major stuff done initially um yeah i mean if anything needs replacing you're gonna you know if you get that full service you're gonna know now rather than right in the middle of the race season and then you know there's not going to be an issue of well that part's not going to be available for then the next month Mm -hmm. or something like that yeah, because these things don't, you know, 
the mechanics and stuff that work on bike stores, they can't do a lot of this stuff overnight. They have to order specific parts. Yeah. So if you're if you're racing on the Saturday or the Sunday and you rock up to your local store on the Thursday or Friday and expect this to be done, a lot of the times they can't do it. No, definitely not. Uh, if your bike's all right and it just needs a general service, then you know that's not a problem. But nine times out of ten, it needs at least one part, and there's that many different parts. No bike store that I know of can hold every single part because it's just too much stock to hold. Yeah. Yeah. So the chances are you may have to, or the store may have to order something for you, which could take four or five yeah. days and then yeah. putting it on everything else. All right. That's, that's good. Oh, you see, again, I'd never would really have thought about that. So that's good see, advice. Some, some distributors are quite good. They do next day delivery, but that's not the case with all of them. Mm. so it depends what you're running on the bike etc etc yeah all right cool now um if this is your first time racing or even if you've been racing for years i suppose is there anything different you need to do to your bike in terms of setup from race to just general use um no i wouldn't say so as long as your bike's in in good order you know you know been serviced and you know, your drivetrain's not worn. Um, I suppose somebody who's who's got more experience racing is they know the bikes. They're going to have that experience of they know the bike has to be in top shape. So just just make sure your bike's right. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look after your bike, you'll look after you. Yeah, yeah. And things like, um, I suppose, like cockpit setup and stuff like that, um, would you keep this the same as your normal riding setup as far as racing goes? Everything like that stays the same? Just say that again, sorry. You know, your cockpit setup, you know, the the geometry of your bike compared to you, you keep that all the same for racing. You wouldn't change that or anything? No, because you want to you ride with what you're used to. Mm-hmm. You start changing mm-hmm. things and it changes, you know, the way the bike feels. And if you're not used to the the way that bike feels, mm-hmm. um, then it's you know you're not gonna you're gonna be concentrating more on this feels weird rather than on the trail. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when you get when you get a new bike, or if you haven't maybe had this done before, it's is it worthwhile getting somebody who knows what they're talking about to kind of get you set up on the bike properly? Yeah. Yeah, even little things like putting the brake levers in the right place, um, you know, stuff like that. It just it just makes a big difference. Cool. And where can people get that done? Do you just do it in the likes of your store there? Yeah, yeah. We uh, in uh, my store we do full bike fits. Um, with every bike that sells, we make sure that he's he's ready for that customer to ride straight away. All right, cool. So yeah, they come in, they purchase, and then you would set it up to suit their height and yeah. their reach so, and things. Yes, um, we also taught the suspension. Um, you know, make sure that's set up right for them. Uh, talking through the suspension, how that works, uh, and how to fine tune it for their riding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that's a big thing, isn't it? And I'm sure when you get to a certain level. You know, you're going to change suspension setup 
and tire pressure depending on the kind of trail you're riding. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Um, but for the general for the general weekend warrior, is that something you should be concerned about or have a fair idea? Or, you know, what would you advise? Um, with tire pressure, um, first thing, I'd check that every ride, especially if you're running tubeless, because that seems to lose pressure a lot faster than uh, an inner tube. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is no one specific tire pressure for... Uh, for anybody you know there's no in general you need to run this pressure it, it all it, there's so many variables involved like i said uh riding on different surfaces different trails or even the rider weight it's it's something you've got to figure out pretty much so you can get a general idea off somebody's weight but um it's something they need to to play play with a bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know it's funny because and I never even thought about it like this before. I had a um, a young fella from Ireland here, Killian Callahan, on the show, and yeah. he rides for Specialized. Yeah. Downhill, downhill. And um, I was chatting to him a wee bit about bike setup and how they do that. And they can map that all out for them guys, you know, the suspension. And they have so much data where they can change things and set things up. But what Killian said, and I never even really thought about it like this he was saying that's okay in downhill because it's one trail it's one trail the trail's the same you're basically taking the same line as you would on your previous uh, you know your previous practice but enduro is different if you're mostly riding you know and entering enduros for a bit of fun a bit of social fun or whatever um, because every trail is different so how do you set up or do you just go general with that kind of thing so generally i depend on what the rider would prefer i generally go 25 to 30 percent sag uh me my preference i prefer it a bit you know on the firmer side uh mm. but it, the rider strength is uh a big factor so he, you know the stronger the rider the firm they can have the suspension right okay um, and that's because you're landing and you're taking a harder landing yeah, but so if you're stronger. Of, okay. Yeah, your body takes more of the more of the hit rather than the suspension. Uh, but obviously, you're going to be able to carry a bit more speed if it's a little bit firmer. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I suppose with pedaling, landing, all that energy instead of moving, going through the tires onto the ground yeah. to move forward the suspension's taking up some of that energy so less gets put onto the ground you know again yeah. right okay okay that makes sense that makes sense yeah well it's not good if you if you're getting fatigued fast then that's not good because you're just going to lose the energy to to be able to keep pushing yeah so would so you advise yeah yeah cool so you would advise for people that are racing or wanting to get into racing to kind of use the setup they normally would you know they're physically used to that as far as their handling goes they're used to that is that the best way to go about it until you maybe figure out what you prefer more or think about it more yeah i'd say so i think with the rough of the track the the softer you're going to want your suspension anyway because you know it's going to absorb more of the roughness 
well, if it's if it's relatively smooth, you'll want it a bit firmer. But yeah, but with enduro, the trails are so different. Um, it's hard. It's it's hard to judge what's the what what's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have suspension and sag and rebound, and then you yeah. have your tire pressures as well, which can make a big difference too. Yeah. Yeah. See, generally, if I'm if me personally, this is not racing, but uh, say I'm riding in the Lake District and it's you know some rocky trails up there, I run my tire pressures uh, a lot firmer than I would if I'm riding a trail center. Because mm-hmm. uh, you're less likely to uh, get a, a gash inside a tire or ding a rim um, if you're riding a, a trail center because they're relatively quite well groomed. Whereas terrain like in the Lake District is quite rocky, some jagged rocks. Uh, so that that can uh, create issues if your tire pressure's uh, too low. Mm-hmm. And do you run, Adam, personally yourself, do you run tubeless or are you old school and go with the tube? I've got tubeless. Tubeless. How do yeah. you feel that affects the bike's performance? Do you feel it different? Um. It's a lot. It's a lot simpler. I get a lot less punches running tubeless. Right. But um, uh, I had to put, I've put tire inserts in um, because I destroyed a few back wheels. Okay. Because um, getting flats, and then you don't realise until your wheels got flat spots or dings in it, and it's knackered. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've got a tire insert, so that's like one of these noodle things that goes in your tire, but you still have to run yeah. the sealant and everything else still goes in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They generally right. will, if you've got a good tire to rim, uh, they generally will stay up without the sealant in. The sealant's just there, you know, if there's a hole in the tire, it will seal it. But my the, with the tires and the rims I've got on now, uh, they just it, it will stay up without the sealant in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but every tire to rims different. So um, I had hot wheels, and trying to see Swalby um, tires on them, they just would not stay up. But then I put Maxis ones on the hot rims, and they they stayed up fine. Uh, but now I'm running. Michelin tires on giant rims, and that they'd seat perfectly. I think it just depends on the profile of the rim and the tire, and how well that seats together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because again, there's different widths, there's different shapes, there's yeah. it's just <laughs> it's just so much stuff. Huh? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, how about tires then themselves? Uh, you could do. A hundred podca- podcasts on this one topic, but um, yeah, the tires. Would you generally change tires for different conditions, um, generally, or even when you're racing? Um, me can you even, personally, can you even I afford to do it. This is the thing as well. Yeah, tires aren't cheap. <laughs> oh. I think my bike tires cost more than my car tires. What? 
Yeah, I begrudge paying that much for my car tires, but when it comes to my bike, <laughs> I'm happy to do it. <laughs> From money in my bike, and then my car, I'm like, uh, don't really want to spend that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, is it something that people need to maybe have a couple of sets with them if they're going for a day, you know a weekend racing or a day's racing, just in case conditions so, change? Stickly, have two sets of tires. Um, you can run one set of tires for all. You got to just find a good balance between what works. Um, but maybe have a set of tires that are good for mud and a set uh, that are more fast rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, obviously, be the perfect solution. But that's not a cheap option with the price of tires. Yeah, yeah, because you can spend what seventy, eighty pounds on a on one tire. On one yeah, it's yeah. I think you know. The, I think something needs to happen with pricing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is pretty crazy. Like, and you know, obviously, if you're doing a lot of these meetings and you're racing quite a lot, you're going to go through things like tires quicker. You're going to go through bike parts quicker, yeah. so it can end up quite expensive. Sure. You know, it's not just the race. You you got to train for that race, so you've got a lot of time on your bike to get ready for the race. So you're going to wear stuff out, and you're going to need to replace it. Um, so yeah, um, I think every month I get paid, and I'm buying stuff for my bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and, I don't necessarily need it most of the time. I just like to buy stuff for my bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like. If you're going for a day's race and let's say looking at it from the mechanics point of view, what extra bits would you take? You know, would you take a spare chain? Would you take a spare derailleur or is that a bit overkill? What would you advise? Minimum, uh, I'd say take a spare hanger, derailleur hanger, um, a power link, because if you snap a chain, you can just replace the link, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of inner tubes. Uh, and then just general bits of tools to be able to replace parts. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the races now, they have kind of mechanics on site, which is quite cool. You know, one of the local stores will show up or something and put mechanics on, which is cool. Um, As far as things like brakes and bleeding hydraulic brakes and things like that, is that something them guys could do for you? on that on the day or is that something you really need to have dialed in before you race um i'd recommend getting it your bike spot on you know well in advance of the mm-hmm. race but a brake blade something you, you can do i've i've uh i've bled my mate's brakes at the side of my car before we started to ride because they were just really spongy Mm-hmm. so it is something you can do as long as you've got the, you know the tools to be able to do it it is it does it's not a massive amount of time that you can't do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and, on of a bike then <laughs> i i and again it's one of these things that you need proper bleeding kits for different types of brakes yeah because you know they're all they're all different yeah okay um so if you are racing, let's say, Adam, a, a full season, I know here in Ireland you could race every freaking weekend if you wanted to over the race season. It's pretty full on now, and I'm sure it is the same with you there. Yeah, um, what I love, actually, you know, you've got to pick which ones you actually want to do and which ones you're not so bothered about. Yeah, crazy, man, crazy. So let's say you're racing 
every other weekend and you're training every weekend and between that, how often would you think you need to be looking at stuff at replacing stuff and taking your bike in for a really good service? Um, if if you're on it like constantly, like three or four times a week, I'd say middle of the season, get the bike properly checked over as a minimum. Um, even the little things of buying yourself a, a chain wear tool, uh, then you at least know you know, your chain's not worn, so you're not you're not gonna be skipping gears or dropping chains or anything like that. I mean chain wattles are relatively cheap. Um and all you do is just you just pop it in your chain. You just, it, if if the little prong drops in the chain, then it's worn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In general you need to change it um when it's part one. Um if you carry on riding it when it's part one, then you're gonna need to uh, change your cassette and sharing with that as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and then all these things add up and the note go on effect and everything else yeah yeah before you, if you know you you don't you know one you know one time you're supposed to service your bike you just leave it until the next time and then you take your back into the shop and then you, your jaw drops when you get the bill <laughs> because <laughs> you have to it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, if you leave it too long, it's basically it's just stripped down to the frame, and nearly every part needs replacing because you haven't looked after it. Especially when it comes to suspension, suspension is the number one thing where people just think I'm not paying that much to service my suspension. But then the reality of it is, you're going to pay four or five times more because you haven't looked after the suspension and you've wrecked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and suspension is something that. I know will scare a lot of people to work on certainly scares me um so you're maybe better just leaving that in with the guys that know what they're doing and can repair it properly and everything else rather than opening it in your kitchen floor and then realizing <laughs> whoops <laughs> i've heard some uh, some some horror stories of people who flopped in they'll have a go at it himself yeah um, not release the pressure out of it and it's gone bang when they've uh, opened it <laughs> wow yeah yes yeah, crazy man it's crazy because these things are expensive and if you're not sure just take it to your yeah, local bike like, store eh? you've you've spent you know six seven hundred pound on a fork you know whether it come with your back and all that's how much it would cost to replace it is is do you have a go yourself and then risk having to buy a new, a new fork because you've destroyed it or do you spend hundred knob pound and let somebody who's extremely experienced do it for you and you know it's going to be running perfect when you get it back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no it makes a big difference and i suppose then they can help set the bike up for you at that stage as well they won't would they yeah. do that for you would they set up the rebound and the sag and all that for you if if it's a if it's a, uh, a place where you go to you know go personally to drop it off and pick it up then yeah um a lot of these suspension companies uh do do it by post wow okay yeah you kind of like post your suspension to them they'll service it and then post it back and then nine times out of ten you're gonna have to set that up yourself they'll try and get it back to to what it will you know was when they received it Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm 
Yeah, wow. I it's yeah, the suspension thing's a is a hard one for you know, I certainly would always get mine looked at properly. I wouldn't even try to to touch it myself because I knew I just know even if I did do it properly, I know it wouldn't be set up a hundred percent and everything. You know, it's all those little small things. So and it makes such a big difference to the handle and, and enjoyment on your bike. Like Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah suspension's so. my favourite thing to work on though. <laughs> <laughs> nice stuff, nice. Um is there anything else you can think about regarding bike setup uh to get ready for the race season? Um anything any tips or tricks you can give people to get their bike set up slightly better for the race season or anything to do mid season or what to look at more than others? Um yeah, just make sure your bearings are in good order. So the pivot bearings, just holding the top tube and grabbing the rear triangle and see if there's any sideways movement or if you if you just push on sit on the saddle and just move and if that sounds gritty then your bearings are gonna need looking at at least at least need a bit of a clean up and a regrease. Um other than that it's just drive train and make sure your suspension's set up still because um, your suspension does lose pressure. So you need to keep on top of making sure the pressure's right and your fork and your shock unless you run a car shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that's something that you need to be doing on your general rides then really is figuring out what air pressure you like and what your forks are set to and stuff or what they should be and things like that and then making sure that that's good on race day um, or any time before you go out riding really. Yeah, yeah. You you generally, do you want your bike ready anyway. You want it, you run in as perfect as it can be for every ride, whether it's a race or or just, you know, a quick ride around the woods with your mates. You want that bike to be you know, perfect because it's not worse than a bike that's just noisy and not shifting properly. It, just, it can just turn a good day into a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, especially if you're spending thousands of pounds on a bike, um, yeah. you want it to be working right, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's, cool. yeah, it's a lot of money to throw at a bike, you know, and a lot of people save, spend a lot of time saving for it. So you you really want to you wanna look after that anyway, whether you're racing or just out riding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, cool. Yeah. All right. So that's really it. I know it's maybe uh, not the right way to look at it to get your bike ready for race season, but I suppose coming out of the winter now, it's a good time to get that full service just see if your bike needs anything and then keep on top of it throughout the race season. And if you feel it needs another service or you feel something's just not right to get it looked at by some, by a professional crew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you, if you think it's something you can look at yourself, have a look at it. But if you, you know, you're a bit hesitant, then you're better off getting a professional to look at it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Nothing worse than coming down a trail in a race and your rear triangle coming off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's plenty of YouTube videos showing that. Uh, (laughs) um, Now, that's cool, Adam. Thanks so much for that. But let's chat, before you go there, let's chat a little bit about Trail Explorer, your Facebook group. Um, You've had that going for quite a while now. Um, Why did you start that? Why did you go down that kind of social route? So... I started off just posting videos to YouTube 
Um, so then after a while, I think I was posting for about six months, I decided, oh, I'll just create a Facebook page just to try and promote a bit more. And then the Facebook page started doing better than the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, from there, I thought, oh, I'll just set up an Instagram account to go eat. Mm-hmm. And then the Instagram started doing better than the Facebook. <laughs> so, Aye. yeah, it, it, I kind of did... Uh, set them originally set them up to kind of support the youtube channel but they seem to have grown quite a bit more than the youtube has i found yeah. youtube's odd i it's weird but your your videos are cool because they're all quite short you know they're like three yeah. minutes you know four minutes that kind of thing which is cool because you can just look at it while you're having a cup of coffee or something yeah yeah I didn't want to, I don't, the way I see it is I didn't want to put like, say, 20 minutes in front of someone because if you don't have a lot of time and if you're not, say, you're not sat at home and so forth, you, you know, you, you're going to, you might click on a three minute video than you are a 20 minute video, say, if mm. you're on a coffee break at work. Um, of course, it's more, is the way I do it is I try and keep it simple. So it's all pretty much all. POV. Um, so I start what start of the trail, the end of the trail, shred that to the best of my ability, uh, and then post the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's cool, man. I, I like your stuff. Um, is is that you in all those all those videos? Yeah, yeah. The, all my content's completely original. It's all me or taken by me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it is taken by me, um, then obviously it is whoever is in that video is it, it says who it is but on youtube it is all me mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's crazy man you're you're active do you go out most weekends or um i actually work weekends so i ride uh during the week <laughs> all right so you're getting empty trails huh yeah yes yeah, it's, it's a good advantage that there's nobody stood in the middle of it when i'm when i'm flying down here <laughs> Yeah, wondering how to fix a tube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never. The amount of times I come flying down the trail, our uh, we're at a trail centre, and I'm going hell ever down this trail, and I come round this corner, and there's a family with two toddlers, and I had to swerve to avoid them, went straight over the bars, head first into a bush. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard, man. And, you yeah, know, they're bike uh, specific trails. So it's an absolute nightmare at weekends. Aye, aye, can be, can be for sure. And as a mechanic, do you find when you see people stoked with the mechanical issue, do you do you have to stop with them or do you keep going? Uh, I, I'm not in any rush to get around. So, <laughs> if, you know, if someone needs help, I'll, I'll stop and help them. Mm-hmm. Well, I've seen people with the forks on on backwards, and I've stopped and I've, I've you know I explained you know what the issue is and turned them round and sorted it the right way. I've had people who just not shifting properly. I just stop. It's, it's all part of you know. You you just got to help people, aren't you? Not everyone else. So you know if you can stop and help them and then show them how to do it or you know what was wrong then they're gonna learn yeah 
Yeah, no, it's good. And, you know, people like that will certainly appreciate that kind of help, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you find that quite a bit, you know. And then you meet, meet so many people that way, just stopping talking. And, yeah, there's a lot of people I've, I've been out riding with that have stopped to help and stuff like that. Yeah, very cool, man. Very cool. Um, no, and you need to do it. And, you know, the mountain bike community, I keep slabbering on about this in the podcast, but we're a good bunch of fellas normally. You know, we're a good community yeah. of guys, so we yeah, will definitely. help when we can. Yeah. You, 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 it's very rare you find a grumpy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless they've snapped a chain or something and haven't bought a chain linger. Yeah. But you, <laughs> I, I, I always carry a couple, so they run their ass pain. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, so, are you going to continue on with the the uh, YouTube stuff and filming your your rides yeah. and all? Do you enjoy that? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, obviously, I've, I've not ridden for a, a few weeks as I'm injured at the moment. Oh, you're joking me! What happened? Um, I was at Stinniog Bike Park, uh, and I crashed quite badly. Um, I've damaged all my calf muscle, uh, so my legs swelled up to twice the size. Oh no! Oh yeah. no! What it's, happened? How did you come off? What was the reason? There was a, a jump, and I was meant to jump. It was like a left hip, which I'd done like five or six times throughout the day. And the last time I went down it, I just didn't jump left enough, and mm. I ended up in a ditch, hitting the side wall of a ditch. I tried to jump my bike, and my legs just slammed into the side of it, and the bike went into the back of my legs. Oh. And I cartwheel down. It's quite a funny video. The the bike went about twenty foot in air, landed on top of me, and then I rolled around on the the force wearing my head off. Ah, oh, right, that's your last video that you've posted there, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right, okay, okay, yeah, I'm nasty man. <laughs> wow, how did the bike come out? All right. Yeah, uh, I need new grips. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the wheels are perfectly true. I've checked the whole bike over. Nothing wrong with it. Wow. I was expecting it to be in bits because it was a fair impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, well, that's that's okay. That could have been a lot worse, eh? Yeah, well, I was on crutches for two weeks. I can, I can walk now, but yeah, painful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. It's, you know, it's one of those sad things about, about this sport we love that it's just a matter of time until those kind of things happen, you know? Yeah, it's going to happen. You've got to accept it. There's no point riding a bike if you're not going to accept you're going to crash. Yeah. And to be honest, it's a part of the fun. You know, it's not going to be an adrenaline rush if there's none of this. No, that's true. That's true. But we'll try and keep the major ones down to a minimum if we can. <laughs> yeah. Even, I, was even, I was sat in hospital laughing about it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... You see, when you hit that hip and you, you didn't go far enough left, do you think that was because you had done it, you were maybe fatigued, or do you think you had just, because you'd done it so many times previous, you'd lost a bit of con, you know, uh, concentration? What do you think the reason was? Um, I remember go, I'm going up to it and I thought, right, this is the jump where I need to bank left. So I've gone, I've went to go left, and mid-air I just thought oh beep <laughs> mm-hmm. and then like I remember mid-air and I seen I'm like oh no I ain't gone left enough here and I'm like this is gonna end badly so 
at that point. As soon as the wheels touch ground, I tried to jump over the bike. Mm-hmm. But um, probably because in my head I thought, right, this is my last run. Hi. Yeah. Never say last run. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. Um, yeah, you know, because when I had my accident, it was me in the beginning. I just lost concentration. It was an area where you you don't, you know, you could ride down it and a scooter for freck's sake. You know what I mean? Um, and I was maybe just going a little bit hard, wasn't concentrating. One thing led to another, and then you have a bad a bad accident. Um, so I find that kind of thing quite interesting. You can lose concentration or you're fatigued maybe, and, you know, you're just not reacting quick enough to certain things. Yeah. Um, I, I had one crash where I'd rode down a line of it, all gap jumps, drops, and everything. And I got to the end of it. And my front wheel washed out on grass. And I landed on the pile of rocks. <laughs> covered in bruises. After hitting and some big gaps, drops and everything. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's because crazy. I, I just relaxed and I thought, right, I'm down now. And then, bam. Yeah. You see, I know a lot of people, a lot of racers, they, 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 they go better and faster when they're relaxed. But there's one thing. It's yeah. one thing to be relaxed. It's one thing to lose concentration. Yeah, you, I think you need to be relaxed on a bike and not rigid. Um, you've got to feel like it's just natural. You not force it, but as soon as you get, you know, you switch off and you're not concentrating on what's ahead, then, then you're going to come into some issues. Mm-hmm. Very true, very true. Well, before I let you go there, Adam, is there anything you planned for the future regarding Trail Explorer? Anything you're going to be doing different? Um, I've got a, a website that's nearly ready that I, I'm going to publish uh, within the next couple of months. Um, cool. Just a uh, bit of a, an, an, another means to post videos and stuff like that, just expand a little bit more. Um, got plenty of rides uh, when I'm all healed up for, with you know, plan for this next year coming, so plenty of hacker bikes adventures and stuff like that oh wow cool very cool all right nice one and uh anything exciting happening in store in the near future um just same same as always to be honest you know mm-hmm. demo days uh stuff like that yeah 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 um, demo days do they go well for you do you get plenty of people turning up yeah yeah because a lot of people before the layer that amount of money they they want to test ride before they buy Mm -hmm. so you know it's good you know it's a good way of getting people on bikes um and generally people buy them on on the day really well that's good yeah because we get a lot of people going coming into shop and then they're looking and they're like well i want to test ride one so we have a couple of demo bikes uh and uh you know we've got these demo days so they, get, they do get quite a lot of interest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's cool and will you hold stock for that or do they have to order the bike um with giant they have a demo fleet so we have to book in advance um that demo fleet yeah and that kind of fleet goes around the different stores kind of at different times that kind of thing yeah yeah all right cool cool all right that's good, that's good. Um, so how can people best get in contact with you, Adam, and check out Trail Explorer, your YouTube and everything like that? Where can they find you? So on YouTube, it's just Trail Explorer. 
Um, Instagram, it's Trail Dot Explorer. Uh, Facebook, same Trail Explorer. Search that. Um, all the logos are exactly the same on all mm-hmm. platforms. So uh, there's also a, a Trail Explorer group that's called Trail Explorer Mountain Biking, which is actually growing a hell of a lot faster than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the groups seem to be quite popular on Facebook now. Yeah, yeah, there's so many. I, w- I was reluctant to do it because there's so many mountain bike groups on Facebook. Um, but I basically just put out, you know, uh, a poll of should I start a group? And the majority said yes. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, why not? Cool, man. Cool. Well, I like what you're doing. I like what you're putting out there. And um, it's always good to have a mechanic, another mechanic to know, you know, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> So don't you be wearing any trail explorer stuff on the trails because people will be stopping you now and saying, "Here, you're you're that mechanic dude, right?" <laughs> I honestly don't mind at all. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, listen, uh, Adam, thanks so much for spending the time this evening and coming on the podcast and giving us a bit of uh, a, a bit of knowledge to what to do and and maybe to actually go and get our bike service before we try and race it this season would be a good idea. So thanks so much for doing that. Thanks for having me on. I uh, I hope what I've had to say has actually been helpful and not a lot of waffle. No, no, dude. It's always it'll be helpful. It'll be helpful for sure. Um, I think most of the most of us don't change stuff until it's too late. Yeah. So it's it's maybe that's generally the pattern. Aye. So hopefully this will encourage people to maybe think right. Well, you know, I haven't had my bike serviced properly for eight or nine months. I really should go and do that take the guys' advice, go and get that done. So let's hope so. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right, bud, thanks so much. Uh, have a great evening. No worries. Speak soon. Bye. That's a wrap for episode 128. I hope you enjoyed that, folks, and I hope you got something from that and are dusting off that old work stand in the shed or making a phone call to your local mechanic to get some stuff sorted because I think we don't look after our bikes enough and we probably should be. I know I'm certainly guilty of it and thanks to the Make Monkey guys, they uh, they brought my old bike back to life. So you need to be doing stuff like that on a regular basis. So please take care of your bikes. You spend enough money on them when you purchase them. So let's enjoy our rides more and get the bikes maintained regularly. Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show. I do appreciate it, bro, and it was great to have a chat with you. You're doing really good stuff there with Trail Explorer and everything else. Um, I really do enjoy your content, so good luck in the future, bro, and good luck with everything you're doing there at the Giant Store. Now, if you want to know more about Adam, what he does at the Giant Store, what we chat about, and the links to Trail Explorer and a few other things there, just go to the show notes, mtb-tribe.com episode 128 and you will get all Adam's content and other stuff there now if you want to help support the show the best way is simply by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people hopefully getting them off the sofa and on the saddle but if you're not on Apple don't worry you can find us and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify and Podbean and all other good podcast platforms. We also have a website mtb-tribe.com where you can find the complete bike catalogue 
listen and download every show from there. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. Now, if you have subscribed and are not receiving emails, please check your spam folder because there is an extra email you have to click yes to just to receive the weekly emails. Now, you can also get involved on social media at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. Take screenshots and help share the show that way. That would be amazing. We don't get sponsorship on the show, nothing like that. So, you guys sharing the show is how we market the thing and how we promote the thing. So, please do that and help out the show that way. Now, if you haven't already, also head over to the resources page of the website and get an extra 15% off all Terra Ventures products. It finishes at the end of February, so get across now and get that extra 15% off. Some of the stuff the guys have there are amazing. So just go to the resources page of the website, mtb-tribe.com slash resources, and uh, you'll find out more information there on how to get your 15% off. Thanks once again, folks, for tuning in to the MTB Tribe podcast. I do appreciate you coming along for the ride, and um, I hope you get the bikes out. I hope you hit the trails, and I will see you next week for another episode. But until then, as always... Stay MTB stoked.